By the year 2019, half of all cell phone calls will be scams. What does this have to do with your business? We'll talk about this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So I know it does sound a little bit off topic, but today we are going to be talking a little bit about cell phone scammers or really just unsolicited calls. I think we've all received them uh, throughout the years. Uh, But before we get to that, I wanted to touch on something, uh, a website that I found really useful. And this is going to sound pretty anti-Google. Uh, the site that I'm about to mention, but it's not actually meant to be. I know I've talked quite a bit about Google and privacy in the past uh, or privacy in general. I'm definitely not anti-Google. I'm just pro-privacy. So I'm a big fan of having a web experience wherein large amounts of unsolicited data is being collected for the purpose of advertising. Now, some of it I understand, you know, if you're providing information to Facebook, for example, about the things in which you are interested, and then they are showing you ads based upon those interests, I think that's a little different. What I'm not a huge fan of are when sites that you are visiting briefly are collecting information about your browser or about your viewing history and then using that to advertise to you without you ever knowing it. Um, That's really what I'm not a particular fan of. Pretty much just being open and honest about the data and the information that you're collecting and just being transparent with the information being provided. So as I mentioned in a previous episode, it's become a pretty common problem across the web of people or companies collecting large amounts of data that they didn't use for various purposes. Sometimes they even sell it off to third parties. Uh, And it's kind of, it's, it's become such a problem that as I mentioned in this previous episode, that it slowed web pages down considerably. Even let's say, for example, if you're not even a it's not even a big deal to you that companies are collecting this information. And that may be totally fine to you. The browsing experience uh, itself has been dramatically impacted by these cookies that they're saving or the data that they're storing in your browser or the data that they're collecting. Some of these things can actually slow a web page down by upwards of 50%. So even if privacy isn't a big deal to you, uh, website speed may be. And in fact, uh, Previously, in another episode, I mentioned that I was switching to Firefox, and I have been using Firefox consistently with its tracking, uh, tracking, blocking built in. So uh, I've enabled that within the browser so that it blocks most trackers on most sites. And I've noticed a considerable difference just in performance alone. Um, So there's a lot of benefits to being very conscious of privacy specifically when browsing on the web. So there is a site called No More Google, nomoregoogle.com. As I mentioned, this is going to sound pretty anti-Google. And again, to reiterate, I'm not anti-Google, I'm just pro-privacy. So there's still some Google services I use. I still use Google search fairly often. Uh, But what's really neat about this site is that it bullet points, it lists out a number of services that people commonly use that Google provides, and then they provide alternatives to it. Uh, And a lot of these uh, alternatives are very privacy minded. So for example, Google search, they've actually got four listed 
And there's only one that I've ever heard of and used. So you can test these out if you want to. One's called Start Page. One's called Quant, Q-W-A-N-T. Seer X is the third one. And then DuckDuckGo is the fourth. DuckDuckGo is the only one I know of. And I actually use that. I've noticed that DuckDuckGo has dramatically increased over the last several years with the quality of their search results. Um, they're conti- I've, I've been surprised by how quickly they've improved. They're not quite up to the level of Google. That's why I say I still do use Google search. So I'll jump back and forth, probably about 50, 50. So what I do is I go to DuckDuckGo, type in my search query. If it's, if I'm not quite liking the results or I'm not quite finding what I'm looking for, then I'll just, they actually have a shortcut that you can type into DuckDuckGo that redirects your search to Google. Um, so I've just kind of gotten used to doing that. Everything just kind of goes through DuckDuckGo, but it's really, it's a really neat website. They go through and they list out, uh, all the different options or alternatives that you can use as opposed to Google Chrome. I do know that they, I have not yet tested this, but I saw as a alternative to Google docs, uh, they had something called, uh, I think it was Coda. I'm trying to, oh, it was an alternative to Google Sheets. So the Google Excel type uh, category of doing spreadsheets, they had one called Coda. And I was just looking at it briefly. I think it's just by invitation only right now, but it was a really intuitive and innovative way to approach spreadsheets. So whether or not you are a fan of Google, there's a lot of apps in here that you could test out that may make your life easier, more productive. Uh, they may also uh, just be better in general. I know for Google Docs, one of the alternatives they have is Bear. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Bear. I've actually got a YouTube video out where I kind of walk through how I use Bear to use to write everything. Um, ton of apps in here. So I'm going to leave a link to this page in today's show notes, which you can find at rightly.show slash 66. Uh, some of the things that they've got in here, again, are alternatives for Google Chrome, Google Search, passwords. I currently use Dashlane, but they've got like a, a bunch of other options. One of the other neat things about this page as well is that it's very community driven. So they have an upvoting system. So you can see the alternatives as they're listed here on this page. Uh, and you can see them ranked by popularity. So like, for example, Google Blogger, not a lot of people use Blogger anymore as a blogging platform. Most people use WordPress. And as you see on this page, WordPress is ranked at the top with the most upvote. Second is Medium. And third is Squarespace. And fourth is one called Ghost, which I've never personally used. But a lot of really neat apps in here. Even if you're a giant Google fan, this page is still worth checking out because there's a ton, ton of free resources and tools uh, that might make your life easier. So again, if you'd like to check that out, head on over to rightly.show slash 66. Become a Rightly subscriber and never miss a thing. Go to rightly.show slash subscribe to get the latest tools, resources, videos, and more. Best of all, it's free. rightly.show slash subscribe. Okay, so recently I started noticing that I was getting a lot of spam phone calls. Uh, so I don't know if you've, ex- you've experienced this yourself, but these are just phone calls that are pretty random. So sometimes they're for some sort of loan that they're tr- you know trying to promote or some sort of product or service or survey or political campaign. 
But the bottom line is they're calling you without your permission. Some of these are robocalls, so meaning that they are just a recording that plays uh, and tr takes you through a series of prompts. I mean, obviously at this point, I don't really answer these anymore. They, they have a, a bad habit of also leaving extremely long automated voicemails. But about the same time I was starting to notice this and starting to notice a number of friends of mine or people online as well, we're kind of complaining about the number of really just spammy calls they're getting. I saw a number of news reports come out on this. This particular one is in the Washington Post and it highlights a report uh, that's come out recently on this very topic. And it says nearly half of all cell phone calls next year will come from scammers, according to First Orion, a company that provides phone carriers uh, and their customers caller ID and call blocking technology. Arkansas-based firm projects an explosion of incoming spam calls, marking a leap from 3.7% of total calls in 2017 to more than 29% this year to a projected 45% by early 2019. So year after year, the scam call epidemic bombards consumers at record-breaking levels, surpassing the previous year, and scammers increasingly invade a privacy laws at new extremes, says Charles Morgan, the chief executive and head data scientist of First Orion. So the article goes through a number of different examples of what a lot of these scammers are doing. Um, so there are some that are really nefarious. So there are people who are posing as IRS collectors, like debt collectors or uh, some sort of government authority who is calling. I personally have never received anything like this. So there's a, like I said, there's a lot of people who are trying to scam and get your PayPal account information. A lot of the ones that I've noticed, and they do touch on this here in the article as well, are actual businesses, legitimate businesses or organizations who are using auto or robot or robocall technology to call you, whether that's about, you know, some payday loan or whether it's about some other type of loan, or even if it's about some product or services that you're trying to sell, I'm actually seeing this from time to time as a marketing tactic. So there's some other things that they've uh, listed as well in terms of some of the techniques that they use. So here's one of the the techniques they hire or they they mentioned in this particular article. It says scammers also trick people into answering their calls with a scheme known as neighborhood spoofing, in which they manipulate caller ID information so that their actual phone number is masked. Instead, the the call appears to have been placed locally. A person looking at their caller ID will see a number that matches their own area code, as if the caller is a neighbor or relative. Because the number appears familiar, people are more likely to answer the call. More than half of all complaints received by the Federal Commission's uh, Communications Commission, more than 200,000 of them were about unwanted calls. The FCC said Americans received about 2.4 billion unwanted automated calls each month, according to 2016 estimates. Charles Kennedy, a senior adjunct fellow at the tech policy think tank uh, tech Freedom said the problem of spam calls is difficult to solve because many of the offenders are hard to track down. It's illegal for telemarketers to call someone whose number is on a national do not call registry unless they have an existing business relationship or the phone number or the phone owner's explicit written permission. But Kennedy said the people who ignore the list or engage in deception are often hard to hold to account. They make calls from abroad, obscure their locations, and, pl and place a tremendous number of calls. Technological rather than legal solutions 
hold more promise, Kennedy said, as phone carriers develop methods to block scammers before they reach consumers and to unmask their spoofed numbers. Uh, so the article goes on in, in terms of some of the penalties that people could face if they are actually doing spammy calls. But suffice it to say, if you're like me, you've probably encountered this yourself. So I've been on, on the lookout for an app that help solve this. And as they allude to in the article, I've never really been able to find a good solution to this. So if you do know of one, feel free to let me know. I'd be happy to mention it in a future episode. I've used a uh, an app called Burner, which is quite interesting. It allows you to generate, if you have to subscribe, you can generate a new phone number once a month. So if you're signing up for a service and they require you to send their phone, uh, give you their phone, give you your phone number, uh, but you know that they're just going to use that to spam you about free offers in the future. You can give them this phone number and then that phone number can either expire after a certain amount of time or generate a new one after a certain amount of time. So that's pretty useful, a pretty useful app. Uh, I'll leave a link to that to these show notes, which again is rightly.show slash 66. But you might be wondering, why am I mentioning this? Why does this news report have any relevancy to you or to the process of building a brand? And the reason I thought this was interesting, particularly in the scope of those who are legitimate businesses using this as a technique to gain more customers, it's the difference between trying to steal someone's attention and win it. So there's people in the past who have talked about the concept of uh, getting people to jump on board with whatever it is you're creating. So you may have a website that has nothing but a blog. It's just where you share your thoughts or your insights or your research or whatever it is that you have to share with the world. Or maybe you run a small business, a brick and mortar business where you actually sell physical products or offer a physical service. Or maybe you're, uh, you run a business more like mine, which offers services on the web, web or sells products on the web, whether that be digital or physical. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, there are two ways that you can approach the process of getting new customers for your business. Number one, which is by far the most common and which these spammy callers uh, pr uh, prefer over any other, is trying to steal somebody's attention, trying to put something in front of somebody's face that they did not ask for. So for example, if you're watching a YouTube video and 10 seconds in, you see a Hyundai commercial, that's an attempt to steal your attention. It may work, it may not, but that at the end of the day is what they're doing. You didn't ask to see that ad. You don't want to see that ad. You you were forced to see it if you want to continue to watch the video. Similarly, if you receive a phone call during dinner and somebody is telling you all about their latest product or uh, their amazingly low interest loan that they want to offer you, whatever it is, they are stealing your attention. They are showing or offering you something you never asked for. If you're on a website and you're looking through, you're scrolling through a news article and all of a sudden a pop-up appears and it asks you to, uh, I don't know, sign up for their weekly newsletter, or let's say it's blocked uh, by an ad, an autoplay ad automatically starts playing as you start reading through the article. A video pops up, starts playing a car ad again. I know I'm picking on cars, but... Um, starts playing a card. Again, what they're doing is they're trying to steal your attention. They're interrupting what you're doing and they're putting something before your face that they want you to see. They're stealing your attention. So what's the, what's the second option? They're stealing your attention and then there's winning someone's attention. Meaning that somebody voluntarily signs up for whatever it is that you offer. 
So for example, uh, most sites like to offer some sort of free course or some sort of free ebook. I know I've got over at Rightly Designed, I've got a free ebook. I know at Notable Themes, we've got a free web training course. That is something that people sign up for. I don't interrupt people with that. I don't put a flashing banner ad on somebody else's blog and interrupt them uh, with that particular thing. I offer people an opportunity of their free will to sign up for what it is that I want to show them. So if there's a particular product I offer, or if there's a particular service I offer, what I never want to do is come to a point where I block somebody's path, where I get into, you know, get in the way of what somebody is trying to accomplish in order to tell them about what I do. In other words, we want enrollment. We want people, we want to create a, the type of brand and the type of work and the type of content that is going to attract people to us. Meaning we don't want to be that person who stands in the middle of the cereal aisle, uh, stopping people and telling them all about our type of cereal, right? We want people who either, whether it be through word of mouth or through other mediums, hear about our cereal, like this, what they hear about our cereal, and of their free accord, walk down the cereal aisle and grab that without us ever having to tell them. There's a number of different ways that we do this. First of all, it's to offer value up front. Right. So the car commercial is just trying to get you to either be aware of their brand or best case scenario for them is to go in and actually buy that car. For us as small business owners, our approach should be quite a bit different, which is that we offer and we contribute, whether it be free content, whether it be connecting with people who we meet at conferences or people we meet up at meetups or various places, but offering genuine value to the people we work with up to the point where you're seen as uh, an authority, whether that be somebody who is a teacher or whether somebody is a craftsman, a person who creates things so that they'll hire you as a coach or they'll hire you as a designer or they'll hire you as a copywriter. So that's the process that we have to take as people who are running smaller businesses. So you might be wondering, so why then do big companies continue to do this? Why is it that stealing attention is still so prominent. And there's a number of different reasons I could probably turn that into an episode all by itself. My theory and probably the bottom line would be that's the way that they've always done it, right? It's easier to spend $100,000 on a series of TV commercials. It's not quite as easy to develop a, a personal relationship with an audience, an audience who knows, likes, and trusts you for what you do. That audience may be nowhere near as much as big as the reach you get through a TV commercial. However, those customers, those prospects, that audience is going to be 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more responsive than the people who are watching that ad and being interrupted with it. The big difference is winning somebody's attention as opposed to to stealing it. And that's the main lesson that I wanted to underscore and highlight as it pertains to spammer calls. So hopefully you found this useful today. As always, we always do appreciate it. If you hop on over to rightly.show, leave us a review on iTunes. We always do appreciate that as well. If you have a question for the program, never hesitate to reach us at show rightlydesign.com. You can also reach out to us at uh, hello at rightly.work. And again, if you'd like to check out the show notes to today's episode, you can find that at rightly.show slash 66. So until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. 
If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.